Hello? Say my name so my powers may flow through you. But I don't know your name, sir. Shazam! Wait, for real? Say okay! Shazam! Da, 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 da. You sound insane. Do you realize that? Oh, yeah! The whole world got crazy! Seriously? It's showtime. Shazam, 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 man fam. It's time to talk Shazam on the Mad About Movies podcast. Welcome back in. Joining you this week are your co-hosts, Richard and not uh, Brian. Oh, that's the best. That's my favorite kind of Brian is not Brian. Yeah. Brian is um, two things, actually. Uh, he's crying uh-huh. He's crying sports tears tonight uh, for mm-hmm. two reasons. One, Texas Tech losing the national championship yep. in basketball, yep. mind you. Um, so double weird. stings. And um, his Dirk tears tonight as well. He's at the game saying goodbye to Dirk, which I'm jealous of. I've got the game right here. So if uh, if I get a little choky during the Shazam pod, it's not uh, it's not because <laughs> it's either that or rehashing <laughs> Chuck Chuck getting canceled. You know, it's one of those two things. I'll let you guys decide whether it's Dirk's final exactly. game or and um, or Chuck and um, exactly might, I just Brian might be crying. Because they announced a Grease prequel today, too. So he would have not been on this episode anyway. He would have had to drop off to uh, recover emotionally, physically, <laughs> and um, prepare himself for next week. But uh, nonetheless, you might hear a familiar voice in the background. Um, joining us back by popular demand, you know him from all of our DC-related episodes. Please welcome back Aquaman Shane. Come on, <laughs> Aquaman Shane. New title. Yeah. Oh, well, you changed it after here. Aquaman, right? Because you, oh, like, right, you said yeah. it was the best. DC yeah, I got a tribal tattoo. I'm starting to grow long hair now. So, yeah, it's fitting. It's cool. <laughs> I like, I preferred piss. I voted for piss, Jar Shane, but, you know, yeah. you can't win them all. <laughs> can't win them all, right? <laughs> exactly. Uh, yeah, happy well, to be here, guys. Always good to be back. So, uh, excited to get Batman Shane's thoughts um, on the DCEU, where things are, where things are going, and, of course, all things Shazam uh, in our review portion, but it would not be a mad about movies podcast a little bit without a little bit of movie news, rumors, rumblings, and a little bit of a shout out. I want to give a shout out to a special VIP. Uh, by the way, in the VIP club this week, we're resuming our Harry Potter retrospective series with Harry Potter Two: the chamber of Azkaban. And that one's going to be dropping. <laughs> um, is that Very not it? Fight. Three three people Chris just had a stroke Chris. listening yeah, to Yeah, you just killed a ton of people. The Chamber of, of the Sorcerers. Okay, yep. Chamber of, of Secrets. Chamber of Sorcerers and the Half-Blood Prince. Uh, the being the Sorcerers Deathly Hallows coming at mm-hmm. you next on the... No. Um, the, I'll the, drink uh, your juice in the hood. <laughs> so, Harry Potter and the Fantastic Beasts and where to find them in the... <laughs> In the Crimes of Grindles. Um, <laughs> J.K. Rowling presents. I say this in jest because this is my first time watching Harry Potter through this uh, retrospective that we're doing uh, in the VIP club. So I'm coming in completely fresh, never seen them before, giving my first impressions. Meanwhile, Brian and Richard have seen them a hundred times each. And so we're giving uh, all the perspectives that we can in the VIP this week. Uh, we're talking Harry Potter and the Chamber of Secrets. For that, and it resumes again next month with uh, the third, the Quaron Azkaban Harry Potter uh, in May. Excited for that. So, 
Um, for your reaction to that one. Yeah, exciting, exciting times. We're also throwing back to the OG Hellboy this week uh, in preparation for the new Hellboy this weekend in the VIP. So check out a little bonus episode with our man Batman Shane there as well. But I want to say thank you to a new VIP, Lee Wainwright, who's from the UK. He actually discovered us through Talk Sport. If you guys didn't know, listener, uh, all three of us, me, Brian, Richard, uh, we're on mm. Talk Sport in the UK uh, every Wednesday at uh, half past midnight. Actually, it'd be Thursday, early Thursday morning, but half past midnight on Wednesday in the UK. And we talk movies with those guys. So um, if you're ever driving through the UK or you live over there, if you want to catch it online, that happens weekly. Uh, but he discovered us over there and immediately wanted to uh, become a subscriber. He became a member of the I. So I want to say shout out to Lee for being a member of the I and the VIP, but be careful, Lee. Do not look too close because that's where you get caught. This is a very um, good time for you to be on, Shane. Yeah, a lot of DC stuff. A lot of DC news to catch up on. Um I want I want your thoughts starting this thing off and Richards too uh, on this Batman Joker trailer, uh, the Joker standalone movie, uh, the Joaquin Phoenix Todd Phillips version of yeah. Joker. Let's um, get into it. Let's get into this. So I'll start things off, I guess. Um, I think I've said on the show before, been pretty consistent about it. I'm all in on Joaquin. I'm I'm in on anything um, he does. Pretty much uh, from a performance level, from uh, just, you know, general interest standpoint. And um, if you were to, you know, ask me who would be your ideal person to play the Joker, probably be Joaquin Phoenix. So I think from that perspective, I'm in. Do we need another Joker movie? No. Do we need an uh, an origin movie on the Joker? Probably not. Um, Will it be entertaining? Uh, Yet to be determined. Um, will Joaquin be pretty good? Uh, probably. So I think it's got some stuff going for it, some stuff not going for it. Both camps really seem to be very vocal about their stance at this point. Um, I'm actually, to be completely honest with you, um, I'm probably like 60% looking forward to it. Um, rather than, uh, that's probably my anticipation level for it. It's probably like a, you know, a little over, uh, more anticipating it than dreading it. Um, so that's kind of my stance. What about you, Batman, Shane? Yeah, I mean, I, I'm i with you. Um, I think that I would probably reverse my stance a little bit. I think I'm 60% skeptical, um, about 40% excited. I mean, I agree 100%. There is not a doubt in my mind that Joaquin Phoenix is just going to crush this as the Joker. I mean, if you look at his list of IMDb credits, he has been in some crummy movies, but he has never been crummy in a movie ever. He is always, you know, he like knocks it out of the park every time. So I think he's going to do great, but I am just kind of skeptical about this because, uh, as you said, Ken, I, I don't necessarily think that a Joker origin story is the greatest idea. You know, one of the things that people love so much about Heath Ledger's uh, portrayal of the Joker in the Dark Knight is that he doesn't have an origin story. And and throughout the film, he constantly kind of invents his own uh, origin story. And it's almost like it, it feels like the Joker just appeared out of thin air in that opening shot that you see in the movie. And that really works for the story. I do think that a Joker origin story could work, but I also think that a Joker origin story probably needs Batman in it to be successful. 
Um, so I, I don't know, man, I'm a little skeptical. Like I, you know, I, I think this might work as a movie, but I don't know if it's going to work as a Joker movie, right? It's what I worry about is that this is going to feel a little bit star Wars prequely to me. And what I mean by that is, you know, Darth Vader was an awesome character is an awesome character. But then when you see him growing up and he has mommy issues and he complains about sand and how much he hates Naboo, you know, just it takes some of the sting out of how cool Darth Vader was. And so I don't really want to watch the Joker bathe his adult mother. I don't want to watch him apparently go on a date like with Zazzy Beats. I don't really want to. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like and I don't, yeah. I don't want to like there's a scene where he like looks like he's practicing his laugh like in a comedy club. Like, I don't know. I just. These are all just things that I don't want to see the Joker do, right? I just want him to just be the Joker already. So I don't know, man. I think Joaquin's going to crush it, but I don't, I just don't know if this movie is going to, I'm I'm skeptical, but I'm leaving myself open. I've certainly been wrong before. So I don't know. I'm, I'm kind of out on it, but of course, you know, contractually I'm obligated to be there opening night. So I will be Richard. What do you think? Yeah, Richard. Yeah, I think, you know, in terms of premise, there's a Coleridge line about Othello, um, the Shakespeare play, the about Iago, the character, and it says he talks about the mode of hunting of motiveless malignity. And I always think about that when it comes to Joker. Joker is kind of an Iago type. But what makes him terrifying and makes him interesting is his quote unquote motiveless malignity. Um, the fact that he doesn't uh, have you know, it takes reason out of the equation. There's no vendetta. There's no way to appease him sometimes. Right. As, um, as Michael Caine says, as Alfred says, some men just want to watch the, the woods burn or whatever he says, watch, you know, it, Shane, whatever. Um, right. let me tell you folks, Shakespeare references. That's why you get Richard on here. We went to the same <laughs> school. He clearly remained, he studied, he paid attention. I did not, I don't remember any of that. So it <laughs> came afterwards came out when I was locked <laughs> in a bookstore for four hours for, uh, <laughs> 12 hours a day with no customers. Uh, but there, so anyway, the, uh, so that is, that is always what's great about Joker is, is that now. So you take that premise out of the equation. Obviously we don't want, uh, it's, it's worse. The more we know the worse, the closer we look, the less we'll see the more we know, uh, the worse that gets. Uh, obviously this is a separate kind of universe. This isn't in the, you know, it's not going, we're not doing a sequel or a prequel with the ledger joke or anything it's a separate thing so it makes it a little more forgivable i think you know taken in a vacuum it could still work um i'm i'm probably from the beginning just because i'm such a joaquin nerd like been more on board with this than other things but i i do i i hate the idea of knowing more about the joker so if i can't get it past that then I'll, i won't like it but if i could somehow get past it if it's done well and there's still some randomness and some um you know some some uh some sort of logic behind there's a reason to tell this story other than just to make money and sell hot topic merch. Uh, then, then I'll be, I can, I can find myself getting on board, but I do. I kind of like the, I mean, as long as it's not too on the nose, which I'm a little worried about, uh, kind of the seventies, uh, homages and, and, uh, kind of taxi driver look and feel of this. Um, there's a lot of it in the trailer to where it makes me think it's going to be a little too on the nose, but I think that is a cool way to do it and a cool superhero world to live in. Um, with that, with that aesthetic, but you know, I'm, I'm, I've Todd Phillips has made good movies before. He's made a lot of garbage movies as well. So you can't rule him out in either direction. It's not going to be good because it's him. It's not going to be bad because it's him. It's an interesting choice. I'm always sort of interested when comedic people like Adam McKay with the big short, right? 
do something a little outside right. their range and bring that sort of perspective in that can work really well or can work not as well. Look at Adam McKay and Vice, right? <laughs> so uh, these this can go either way, but I'm not I'm not out because of Todd Phillips. Maybe this is something where his particular uh, perspective on things could be really interesting. I mean, it is a comedic character in a way. His name is, in fact, believe it or not, Joker. So right. those are sort of my uh, word vomit thoughts of it, but it, it does it does scare me. You know, you don't want too much uh, exposition when it comes to this particular character because he, the the other than the clown makeup, the scariest thing about this character is is the lack of of uh, of context or backstory. So anyway, yeah, that's that's you know what? Thought. Can I make a prediction? I think that come October, we're we're going to be here on the show and we're going to be talking about it. And I think what's going to happen is it's going to be a well made film, right? And people who are not nerds like me are going to say, uh, you know, Oh, it was great. It was a fantastic film. Right. And I think from like a screenwriting perspective and acting, it's going to be fine, but then you're going to have comic book nerds like me who are going to be on here going, yeah, but um, we're going to pull a George Lucas and go, yeah, but that's, that's not how it happened. Uh, that's not what happens right? though. Right. And so I feel like ultimately it's going to be a good film. I just don't know if it's going to be a good Batman film. And and maybe that's exactly what Todd Phillips is going for. So we'll see. I think if you're able to judge it as a film fan first, I bet you're probably going to like it more than if you're like me, where I, obviously I can't judge it as just a film. It's got to it's got to be a Batman film first. And if it doesn't work for me on that level, then I don't like the movie. Yeah, you know? it's it's going to be interesting to see you know, uh, what it is without Batman, you know, what makes the Joker and Batman so great is that the Joker plays to literally opposite of Batman's strengths. Batman's just a brute force, uh, tactician beast, uh, beat you up kind of guy. And the Joker is an intellectual, um, conniving criminal, you know, it's totally, uh, different. And I'm, I'm interested to see what kind of villain that they come up with for this because, there's going to be some kind of antagonist. Like it can't be society because that's like the worst, the worst message that they could put out with this movie is that kid gets bullied and then he lashes out by murdering everybody. And that's his backstory. You know, uh, I, I, I don't I want that. that I, I believe that what I'm hearing is that basically they're going to make Thomas Wayne the villain of this movie. So Bruce Wayne's dad, the corporation aspect. Yeah, right. right. They're going to make him like a, you know, like an evil Jeff Bezos, basically. Or I should say maybe a more evil Jeff Bezos. You know what? I kind of liked where they went with, does he send pics though? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that's, that's funny. Uh, how many, yeah, I'm not going to go there. Um, (laughs) it's it's the seventies. So it's Polaroids. Yeah. Yeah. They, I mean, I liked, <laughs> I liked where they went, uh, in the dark night, of course, with the, uh, Harvey Dent character and bringing that in it and then making it more political, um, in origin and, uh, in kind of motivation. Right. And so, yeah, what is it going to be? Um, I don't, I'm not, you know, I'm fine with the, either the origin of Heath Ledger's Joker, which is there is no origin. Every story he says during the movie is a different story. Um, you can't, you don't know what to believe with this guy. Um, the famous line of, he just wants to watch the world burn. Right. Um, right. I, I like that version, but you know, I might like the failed stand up comedian who murders people version and gets rejected by Zazzy beats. I don't right. know. I, I just seems, it seems different, but doesn't mean different is always bad. You know, like right. how many, how, okay, let's, let's flash back to 2006, right? Um, comic book movies were 
somewhat stagnant. You know, I mean, you had the X-Men series, you had Daredevil that kind of flopped or big time flopped. And you had Batman Begins that was kind of starting to rewrite things. And then they announced, oh, Heath Ledger's playing the Joker. How many people back then were being like, oh, this will never work. Oh, dude, um, I was it's so too iconic of a character. Was... Uh, Jack Nicholson's version is too good. Um, you can't change that. You can't change anything. And then everybody was sold once they saw it, right? Um, mm-hmm. I'm kind of going with the same mindset, but my biggest skepticism is like you pointed to Richard, the cash grab aspect of this, how much, how much hands of the studio have on making this happen as opposed to just a, an original take from Todd Phillips and company. Um, yeah, I think I like the aesthetic. I like how it looks and I'm all in on a Joaquin. So, um, the only hesitance I have is kind of how does the service the DCU at large, or is this just another standalone offshoot kind of movie? And if that's their strategy, then great. But um, that's kind of what I want to talk about tonight with Shazam is is DC's strategy because it seems so everywhere, really, you know. And um, and it's hard to kind of tell what they're going for. So there, it seems like they're just throwing a bunch of stuff against the wall and see what see what sticks and uh, see where we go from there. But but Batman Chain. Speaking of the Dark Knight. Yes. You, you were a part of a, a marathon screening session with, with Christopher Nolan this past week, weren't you? Can you give some insight I, on that? Yeah, absolutely. I was. So the uh, Warner Brothers is doing an ex- exhibition tour of the Dark Knight trilogy, uh, and they're doing it in select cities. They started in L.A., and then they're moving to New York, Chicago, uh, and I think two other cities. But they're playing the films back-to-back, and they're playing them in 70-millimeter IMAX actual film. Um, which is the way Christopher Nolan shot at least the dark Knight and the dark Knight rises. Uh, and they're playing them back to back. And then in between the dark Knight and the dark Knight rises, there was a, a Q and a with Christopher Nolan. So he was actually there in my theater and they filmed the Q and a, and they're going to put, uh, the, that they, the film Q and a, they're going to put that on screen in the other cities. Um, so it was a trip. I'd never actually watched all three of those movies back to back in one sitting before. So that was kind of really interesting to, to be able to, you know, you pick up on things that are callbacks, direct callbacks right. to Batman begins in the dark Knight rises. Cause you're like, Oh, right. I just watched it like three hours ago. Um, but it was a treat, man. I mean, if you get a chance to go, if you live near one of those cities and you get a chance to go, there really is something special about the 70 millimeter IMAX format. It's just so huge. And the resolution is just so great that it's a real treat to be able to see it that way. And the Christopher Nolan interview was was interesting. I, I say interesting just because I feel like the journalist that did the questions was not like a diehard Batman fan. So most of the questions he asked were very topical. And frankly, they were questions that no one has answered in interviews before. Um, so there no were questions like super, from the audience, no questions from the audience. Oh. Um, I know, which was disappointing, but at the same time, there's a part of me, Christopher Nolan strikes me as a guy who's like, no nonsense. I, there's a part of me that thinks maybe he didn't want to do that. Cause you know, that people in the audience, myself included would be like, who would win in a fight mm-hmm. between the Joker? And you know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. and he's like, guys, I'm not doing this. Like I'm an adult. <laughs> Right. So, uh, but no, so no fan member or no audience member got to ask, uh, questions. Um, but it was great to, to see those films back to back and to, you know, to be in the, in the room with Christopher Nolan, right. That was pretty neat. I mean, he's inarguably one of, if not the still hottest working director today. 
Um, and so it was just kind of cool to hear his kind of take on some of the things that he, you know, wanted to accomplish with the movies and what he wanted to accomplish with the character. And, you know, as far as he said in the interview is he, he has no plans to return to the franchise. So, but he did say, never say never. So who knows, maybe 10, 20 years from now, he'll come back and he'll get a rickety old Christian Bale to suit up and we'll get a fourth movie. That'd be kind of fun. I would love a Batman beyond with rickety old Christian Bale like mentoring the new Batman. I think that would be fantastic. I would love a Batman Beyond movie right now with yeah. Michael Keaton as as the, oh, as the yeah, older Bruce Wayne. Yeah, that would be or Val. Would, Oh yeah, totally, man. I would like <laughs> any of those. I mean, you know what? Or George Clooney. He would be fantastic too. Like, yeah. I, you know, I would pay for any of those guys to come back. That would be fun. So, yeah, the trilogy was an excellent treat. Um, and uh, if you're if you're near one of those cities, I know it's New York and Chicago and there's two others. But if you're on the fence about going, it's definitely worth the price of admission. And uh, it was a real treat to get to watch the films back to back with Mr. Nolan himself. Did he give any insight on future projects, his new movie, anything like that? No, I very much got the sense. I very much got the sense that the interviewer was told to specifically keep questions to Batman, uh, Batman. Yeah. In fact, he even made a joke that he, he was not going to ask him about any future projects. So, um, yeah, so no, no insight there, but if I'm guessing based off of track record, Christopher Nolan's next movie will start with the letters I N. He just seems to like words that start with I N from inception to interstellar to insomnia. That dude just, you know, picks out of a dictionary, I guess. <laughs> yeah, sure. Uh, well, very excited about that. Um, I think Adam driver and, uh, John David Washington are starring in that. I believe Robert Pattinson, Robert Pattinson. Well, that's right? who it is. Robert Pattinson and John yeah. David Washington, not, and, uh, not uh, and Elizabeth DeBecky is in it as well from, uh, widows and from guardians of the galaxy. 2. Oh, cool. Yeah. Widows was very good. I don't know if you saw yeah. that. that was oh, like, dude, I love it. Widows was like one of my favorite movies last year. Right. Me too. Okay. Um, I think that about does. I got one more thing, but we've only got about a minute left here. I don't want to get into anything else. So uh, let's transition now and uh, talk Shazam. Boom. Hey, guys. I want to throw a shout out over to bezelheads.com. It's a friend of the show and a friend of the show. It is uh, this is my friend Humphrey's new company. It is a, uh, it's a watch marketplace. Humphrey saw a void in the way that we sell and buy watches online. So he built a website that fully integrated into phones, tablets, as well as computers that makes buying and selling watches much cleaner and easier than any other sites out there on the market. So if you're in the market for a used watch or you're looking to sell yours, check out bezelheads.com. That's B-E-Z-E-L heads.com. Check it out now. All right, so second uh, superhero movie in his money months here on ma'am and uh not the last of this month either uh, because we've got hellboy this weekend and we've got avengers in game uh at the end of april so a lot of not familiar with the avengers is that is that an existing (laughs) franchise or is that a new one (laughs) well if you're you're actually running out of time if you don't know um i would say you can catch up at this point but it's probably uh not going to do yourself a, a good favor by trying to catch up at this point, but um, it apparently is, AMC is doing a fifty-nine hour, no three-day nope. long. <laughs> yeah, I'm I'm good. I got better things to do with my imagine time. The but they are the showing. <laughs> Just imagine but they are showing all twenty-two films leading up to Endgame. Well, good for them. I'm I'm happy to support AMC. By the way, with my new AMC uh, A list, Shane yeah. took your advice on that. 
No, yeah. not looking back. The only time it's uh, it's failed me is when I tried to buy Avengers tickets, uh, in-game tickets, and like the entire internet crashed basically when that happened. Yeah, I know. Um, we didn't yeah. talk about that, but man, that was quite an experience last week. I don't think I've ever experienced anything like that in in movie culture uh, of just like rampant. Everybody has to buy tickets right now or the world's going to end mode. Yeah. Um, and the thing that was like super frustrating about that was that it was like AMC and Fandango and all these websites. It was like they didn't they didn't even consider the possibility that more than a handful of people would want to buy tickets when they went on sale. You know, it might be uh, one of those things where they did anticipate for a lot, but it was so much even more than they had anticipated for. Oh, that's that true. Like, I don't Not know. Since, I mean, uh, not since Kim Kardashian posted a picture of her butt has the internet broken this big. Right. <laughs> you poured champagne into it too, right? <laughs> um man, that was that was that was crazy. I mean, I tried the AMC app, I tried AMC.com, I tried Fandango, I tried Cinemark, I tried every theater company chain I could think of around here. Draft house, they were all everything was just completely crashed. And I'm talking like from the morning when I got to my computer until probably, I don't know, 7 p.m. was probably when I actually got my tickets that night, when it would actually work for me. So, uh, that man, that was crazy. So, it'll it'll be interesting to see if, if that record is ever broken, <laughs> because that was that was crazy. 21 movies of anticipation for that. But uh, zero movies of anticipation for Shazam. Um, <laughs> very non-DCEU way to do this is give a, uh, a superhero an origin story before introducing him in another movie. And I think this worked. Uh, this is, it feels like they just went in George Costanza mode of, I'm just going to do the complete opposite of what my instinct tells me to do and see how that works out for me. And that's what they right. felt like they did here. Um, and this doesn't feel like a DC movie. It doesn't fit with the other DC movies. Um, I'm interested, Shane, to to get your thoughts on where they're going to go from here because I don't see how this is going to jive with what they got going on <laughs> besides this. And um, maybe Wonder Woman could fit with this uh, tonally. But if I was DC, I would kind of hitch my train to this tone and reset the other characters to fit more into this line of thinking and make your gritty standalones on the side. If you want to make a rated R Suicide Squad with James Gunn, go for it. If you want to make a Joker movie, go for it. But I think they're what they're selling to the mass public needs to be consumable to the mass public. And what they've been shelling out for the past few years has been consumable to Batman Shane type people who love Batman v Superman. But outside of that <sighs> sect, the worst. nobody <laughs> likes that stuff. And so, I mean... You can you can please both crowds is what I'm saying, and I, I really think they they did a good the good job here. I don't know how the, the fanboy the comic book fans feel about uh, Shazam and this adaptation, but uh, I thought this was way more in line with with what they can do because this is not all fun, <laughs> you know. It's it's got a lighthearted tone and it's definitely more jokey, but there's some really dark stuff in it too, and and um, more serious subject matter. So it's not like they went completely um, in the opposite direction. So Definitely was surprised by this one. Uh, enjoyed it, but was was for sure surprised. So interested to uh, talk with you guys about it uh, tonight, today, this morning. Um, Shane, what are your general thoughts on Shazam? 
So generally, I, I liked the movie. Um, I thought it was a nice change of pace, right, from some of the DC movies uh, that we've had, you know, in the last the, the crop of DC movies that we've had in the last couple of years. I think it was. Yeah, I mean, I think it dealt with a few serious subjects, but I do feel like overall the tone of it was certainly much more lighthearted um, than some of the other films. And I think that made for a much more pleasurable uh, viewing experience. Um, I don't I mean, je- I don't know how fast I'm going to run out to like rewatch this movie, but all that to say, when I was watching it, I I was enjoying myself uh, the entire time. I I thought it was overall, I thought it was a well-made film. Um, I think the casting was pretty spot on. I thought Zachary Levi was great as a, you know, as the Shazam, the grown up Billy Batson. Um, And uh, yeah, I, you know, I think this was a totally enjoyable popcorn flick. I think DC needs to invest in making more movies uh, like this. And I think what I mean by like this is I think they just need to worry about making movies that are good instead of worrying about how movies are going to connect together. Right. That's, that's why justice league was such a terrible film was because it was so worried about connecting the heroes that it forgot to have a decent screenplay or character development. Right. Um, this was just a great introduction to Shazam, uh, and we'll get into connection stuff maybe later when we get into spoilers, but just in terms of generally, it was just a Shazam movie and that's exactly what this movie needed to be. Nothing more, nothing less. Just show the world who Shazam is and, you know, roll credits. Yeah. General thoughts, RB. Yes, I had no idea what this was uh, until we started seeing ads for it. I didn't know uh, Shazam whatsoever as a character. I just kind of knew what the trailer was. Kind of seemed like, you know, Superman meets big or something Um, and was was confused by it. Yeah, it was a it was it was a you know, this is not my bag. This kind of like uh, (laughs) emotive um, superhero movie kind of tween some real kid stuff in there, some real not kid stuff in there. It's not, I am not the target demo for this. Uh, but that being said, I really respected how it was made. I did. I thought Levi Levi was, uh, was, uh, fabulous in his role. He's someone that kind of disappeared for a few years. And then with this and, and then marvelous Mrs. Maisel last year has kind of reasserted himself as a really charming, uh, kind of leading man. And, uh, he was, he was, uh, pitch perfect and something like this. And I, I, uh, yeah, I really appreciate the tone in that, um, you know, sometimes it's it's cool to have the dark, gritty superhero hero movie, but if you just make them kind of fun, your degree of difficulty is a lot lower, and this allows you to uh, make a much more. You can kind of be forgiven for watchability, um, because it's watchable. You know, it's 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 not it, if you're gonna make the dark, gritty superhero film, then you better. Uh, you know, you better be Christopher Nolan. It's it's a it's a tightrope that's tough to walk. So, it was it was it was very uh, very strong, adequate. I don't know right. I don't want to seem down on it, but it was it was good. It was a good movie. So, exciting times. It was. Exciting. Ken, what about you? Yeah, uh, generally, I thought it was a really slick screenplay. Um, I'm not familiar with David F. Sandberg's work, other than. Lights Out, I have seen that. I uh, have not seen Annabelle Creation. I'm not, not familiar with the spinoff Conjuring movies uh, enough. But if you haven't seen the original short for Lights Out um, it's, it's in 2013, uh, yeah, it's three minutes long. 
uh, it's what the movie Lights Out was based on. It's terrifying, and it proves he's a he's a competent uh, filmmaker. But yeah, so interesting direct directorial choice here. I've under I understand that this uh, movie has been in development for uh, since 2000, I believe. Various directors, screenwriters have given this a go. Um, of course, it's it's nice though that that DC is starting to get into that Moneyball kind of game that Marvel got into, right? Which is getting directors that off the off the top don't necessarily seem like the perfect fit. Yeah, I mean, there's you know only I mean? one way to find out about most of these guys, you know. Um, right. I, I do like, like that aspect. Like, yeah, it's the, like nobody knew like, the Russos other than they had directed like community episodes, right? Yeah, uh, like Arrested right. Development. That's exactly yeah. what I was about to say. Like, who do you get to lead the biggest superhero franchise of all time? The the Arrested Development guys, right? So it's good that that I think DC is maybe copying Marvel a little bit in that way. Like, let's get some interesting, fresh, new perspectives on these movies, not just the same Zack Snyder's over and over again or whatever, you know? Yeah, absolutely. And, and I do think that uh, this movie works because of the layout of it because of the structure of it because of the tone um if i do have one complaint about it i do think it takes way too long to get to shazam um i looked at my watch and we were at an about an hour into this movie and we still hadn't seen zachary levi's shazam and i was like okay something's gotta gonna happen pretty soon here for this movie to get going um and just in comparing it to big you know i think that's what one of big's greatest strengths is, is that it doesn't waste any time getting us to Tom Hanks and getting us to getting the, the uh, plot moving. But to give this the benefit of the doubt, it is an origin story. It does have to set to lay the groundwork for this character in some way, especially if they're going to spin this off into multiple films, multiple sequels, uh, justice league Two, whatever um, they end up doing. So you got to give them a backstory. I thought the uh, kids uh, the kid version of Billy was really good. I think Jack Dylan Grazer as Freddy is super good. Uh, this kid was also an it. He played Eddie in the it, uh, it reboot and uh, was my favorite actor in that. And this kid is a, is a star. And as we've uh, probably discussed multiple times on the show, kid actors can quickly ruin a film and uh, it, they did not this time. So that was, a, that was a huge win. Um, I thought that Zachary Levi Playing the kid was super accurate. I thought his mannerisms were good. Uh, I thought he embodied the soul and, and, and character and spirit of a kid very well. I, it was a lot easier for me to be convinced that he was a kid than, uh, than for instance, The Rock and the Jumanji reboot uh, a couple years ago. And actually, The Rock was in talks to play this role, or I think they gave The Rock the choice he could play this character or black adam which they're still developing or the rock is still developing he put out a video this last weekend uh on instagram kind of explaining the process of that they're supposed to be filming that next year Um, yeah so let me just jump in ken so the the rock's involvement with black adam and stuff we'll let's get into that but let's save that for like spoiler talks okay sure the rock was a producer of this film though i did see that in the in the closing credits dwayne johnson's uh well, this is a different Dwayne Johnson. It didn't say rock the Dwayne Johnson. It just said Dwayne Johnson. <laughs> um, so, so yeah, I, I, uh, I liked the foster home uh, stuff for the most part. I thought those kids were, were pretty good and wasn't overused. I think Mark Strong is a solid foe villain. 
uh, in almost every setting. I, th- I think he's a really strong actor, and I've always liked to see him in stuff. He was actually my choice to play Steve Jobs in the Steve Jobs movie that Fassbender ended up doing. I just think he's a super talented guy that doesn't really get, you know, he always ends up playing these kinds of roles. Uh, what oh, other- that's a good call, dude. He would have been fantastic in that movie. Yeah, he would have been. He would have been great. Um, what other uh, superhero movies was he in? Oh, Kingsman. He was in Green Lantern, um, right? Green Lantern, was, uh, and one other that I can't think masterpiece. of. Masterpiece. Uh, off the top of my head. Uh, John Carter, uh, you know, those types of kick-ass. That's what I'm thinking of, kick-ass. So, uh-huh. so yeah, the, he, he was strong. I don't know if the subject matter or the villain is anything to, you know, it's nothing that's going to carry beyond this film, but I thought it, it brought enough to the table to uh, to – showcase the abilities of Shazam. So Shane, what did you think of Shazam? The character was this kind of accurate to what you knew of Shazam or what you expected it to be? Yeah, is, this, pretty... is, is that the story that, that a kid becomes Shazam? Is that the comic book origin? Is that, is that all? Yeah, pretty accurate? much. Okay. So real, do we want to get real, just, you want me to give it the, like the spark notes version on the whole, like Shazam Go thing and Captain Marvel. I know the Captain Marvel, they had to change the name, what, 2012 or something to Shazam? Basically. Yeah. I mean, so Shazam was a character that was created in the forties by a completely different company. DC sued them for basically ripping off Superman. And so that company shut down Shazam and they stopped making Shazam comics. Or they stopped making Captain Marvel comics because that was his name back in the 40s. In the 60s, Marvel bought the license to the name Captain Marvel and they started writing stories about the Captain Marvel that you just saw in the Marvel Universe. But then in the 70s, DC started writing, they bought the rights back to the um, to the character of Captain Marvel, also known as Shazam. But they had to call him Shazam because at that point, Marvel already basically had the rights to calling a character Captain Marvel again. So that's why he was originally called Captain Marvel. Now he's called Shazam, whatever. It's not that interesting of a story. Uh, But yes, in 2011, the DC comics universe did a reboot event and they started writing him basically the same as you see him in the movie. He's a, as a foster child, um, he's a younger, a younger ish boy. Um, and so this, this comic storyline or his origin matches very closely the 2011, 2012 reboot that the DC comics universe did, uh, in, you know, in comic form. Very cool. I, I didn't know how, you know, up in arms people were, if the, how accurate this was, there's always a, a debate or discussion after these movies come out and do well or be well received. Uh, as to well, that's not how it happened. That's not that's not what happened. Um, let me look at my notes here. Uh, first of all, this movie starts out with a violent car wreck. Did not expect that um, at all. And the cap, the actual uh, wizard Shazam looks like Morgan Freeman's character from the Lego Movie. Was that supposed to be on purpose? Uh, yeah, that was a little. You know his hair was a little. Like, yeah, you know Morgan agreed. Freeman's character who has like the uh, like uh, what's it called the dum dum like uh, staff that's got like the diamond. Yeah, it's like a dum dum <laughs> sucker that's like broken. That's what I felt like uh, Jamon Honsu, who was also in Captain Marvel and Guardians of the Galaxy. And Guardians, too. Uh, yeah, good to see him uh, in this. Um, Get them checks, baby. He's playing for both sides. Yeah. The line, find me one soul who is worthy kind of thing. 
that's that's a little bit of a cliche that I don't like to see is the oh you could be the chosen one you're the only one who is worthy the whole king arthur sword in the stone uh you know dorothy wizard of oz thing of uh you're you're the one who's going to lead us past the evil one uh that that that's typical comic book origin but to say the line find me the one whose soul is worthy was a little bit uh, eye rolly um i like the compass toy callback and how they use that as a device to to call back to the parent and mom and uh the childhood of Shazam i thought that was a cool nugget token i don't know what you yeah, agree i agree i thought that worked well you know, for me, Ken, especially with certain lines like that, I think Richard absolutely hit the nail on the head, which is even though I enjoyed this movie and I thought it was well done, I, I do want to qualify that I don't think that I was the target market for this movie, right? I feel like this movie was made for, I don't want to say children because that sounds pejorative, but I, but I think that this movie was made for people who are approximately Billy Batson's age. Yeah, 13. You know what I mean? Like there are probably 14 year olds who think that this is the greatest movie ever made. And by that mm-hmm. standard, I think it was a, it was a well-made yeah. film. That's uh, good. And that's not a bad thing, right? I mean, no. God right. forbid we make superhero movies for 13 year old, 13 year olds. I mean, it's, it's instead of 37 year old, sad guys. Um, no offense, Shane. I know you're 32. Um, <laughs> no, <laughs> right. And that's no, the thing is not every movie is cool. has to be this dark brooding, you know, yeah. like a movie like Batman Superman that I would enjoy. It doesn't, they don't all have to be like that, right? Make a movie that a 14 year old would absolutely love. And I feel like that's what this was. Yeah. It seemed like they really pushed the limits of the PG 13 on this one more than I'd seen for a lot of these comic book movies, uh, both in subject matter and in violence. I mean, there's that sequence. That was the weird thing. Like it would feel like it was for kids for a while or, you know, teenagers. And then it would have this really jarring kind of either violence or, or just content wise. You're like, okay, that's my always, my thing always is like very audience minded. Like who is this for then? If you're fluctuating between those two worlds, but I think overall it was for 13 year olds with like, you know, 11 minutes of not for them, which was bizarre. I don't know why you have to put that in, but that's probably some WB action right there or something. I don't know. Yeah. Right. Or just to Shane's point of let's give 13 year olds something to write home about. Like they make them feel like they just saw a rated R movie and got away with something, you know, even though this is, this is PG 13. I really like the scene, you know, when, when Shazam gets first gets the powers, let's go into spoilers now, just to be safe. If you haven't sure. seen Shazam, I suggest seeing it before listening any further. So we're going to spoil some stuff possibly right now. Um, When Shazam first gets the ability to transform into Shazam, I loved the sequence of him going and buying the beer. I loved, I I loved him going to the strip club. I, I, I think there's a certain element of realism to that, that, you know, like the 13 year old kids can relate to. It's like, what would be the first thing you would do if you were, to become an adult. Like it's the opposite. It's like that Robin Williams movie where he plays like the kid. Remember uh, Jack, uh, Jack. Yeah. It Except, has a name. And yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's a masterpiece. No, I, I, I said it's definitely the, name. the best Robin Williams, JLo collab. Well, I don't know. Um, it, it, it's, it's going for that, but it works is what I was trying to get at there of, um, it doesn't, I, I think the humor of it works 
and, and it doesn't come off as cringe nearly as much as you would expect um, because of because we've seen that so many times uh, in the past. We talked about the violence a little bit, and I'm glad we're in spoilers now. There's the sequence where the the seven deadly sin gargoyles just destroy the office of people. <laughs> they just are murdering everybody. That was uh, pretty intense. And um, I tweeted this after the after the movie. But can we stop with the training sequences set to Don't Stop Me Now? Or can we stop using Don't Stop Me Now, period, in movies and trailers and post-credits and whatever? The Queen and song. Especially, I'm, especially I'm done. Because, We're done. Well, and especially because we've all just been overloaded with Queen recently. Like, Queen's great, but like, let's, let's all take a year break off from Queen. We, we got it. Queen's great. Because we're having a good time. Um, so... I liked that though. I thought that was funny. I thought I liked how he becomes like a street performer and is shooting lightning out of his arms. Was a Thunderman or Thunder Power Boy and Thundercrack? Those were the names. <laughs> Thundercrack. That's good. That's good. Um, any other notes that stand out to you guys on um, on this? Oh, also, speaking of things a thirteen year old do if they immediately got the powers nowadays. Immediately try to become a YouTube celebrity. Uh, right, that's what I was just about to say. <laughs> yeah. Like uploading videos to YouTube, yeah. that's perfect. I bet that's what kids do these days, right? right? Like my first thought, if I got powers, was like, great, I never have to sit in traffic again, right? But like these kids don't even think about that; they go straight to YouTube. So, it, you know, it feels it rings true for like a current fourteen-year-old. That's exactly what you do if you got yeah, super influencers. Powers, got to yeah. influence, bro. <laughs> do it for the gram. Live for the gram. Yeah. No, I enjoyed it. I mean, I, I did like from a screenplay perspective, I liked that Silvana or Savannah's, you know, kind of he's this bad guy who got rejected by his family. So he's you know, he wants nothing to do with them. And then Billy Batson's a character that never really had a family. So he's constantly searching for one. So I felt like their kind of character arcs did. Uh, I felt like their character arcs did kind of mesh well nicely. Uh, I, I think I just wanted a little bit more. Uh, to do and again since we are in spoiler territory here i think i just wanted a little bit more to do with the fact that the the rest of his foster siblings when they get their powers i wanted that to be a bigger deal and i wanted them to have more to do and they really other than uh uh freddie's character and then the the younger sister who the adult version was played by Megan uh, Good, I think her name is. Like, the other characters didn't really have much to do, and I think I kind of wanted that third act to be a little bit bigger and have a little bit more stuff to do for everybody, but it just kind of it didn't really pop off screen like I was hoping it would. Does that make sense? Does anybody else feel that way? Or Yeah, it does. Um, yeah. I actually, once they brought in the Shazam team or whatever, and the Adam Brody is involved and everything... I honestly thought uh, they should have saved that for the end. That's how you should lead into the next movie is introduce them. And then the next movie is this Shazam team up movie. And you've got this whole crew of people. Uh, That's an easy sequel. I guess they could still do that, but I just felt like that was a card that they played way too early in this. And uh, this movie could have been great on its own with Shazam discovers his powers, goes and beats up Mark strong at a Ferris wheel. And, Last scene is him going back to like the uh, last scene is him going back to the orphanage. Like, come on, guys, let me show you something. He leads him down there, shows him the the portal. Right? He's like, hold my hand. 
and they all hold hands right around this circle and they all go portal at once and he takes them down there and then uh what's his name jamon hansu is like billy batson because you are worthy they are worthy and then wow, credits dude. roll credits wow man Boom. i have chills yeah that's <laughs> how you do it well get, so get in touch so WB. let me jump in here, and now that, again, now that we're in spoiler territory, so if you remember correctly, uh, Mark Strong's character, you know, he had like the seven deadly sins that were in, you know, that were kind of like inside of him or whatever. Um, so the power of the wizard that he gives to Billy Batson, if you do the math correctly, when you split it out between Billy Batson and his five siblings, that makes six. So there is one character missing. And uh, the wizard mentions, I think, at some point in the movie that there was one other wizard who turned out to be a bad guy. That seventh wizard who left the the family or whatever and became a bad guy, that's Black Adam. And that's who The Rock is going to play. So my guess is that The Rock is going to play back Black Adam in the sequel. And the all all six of them are going to have to team up to take him down. Because so they all share it's gonna the... Be- Shazam v Black Adam, like immediately after that, and they're just going to be be pissed. Jar. Dawn of Justice two, dawn of another rise match. of a justice of a war for the justice of the planet. Um, yeah, exactly. Grind- Grindelwald. Where, uh, where, where? I got a couple other things here. Um, the big piano callback. I thought that was funny. Like, I thought that uh, was great. I thought that was a good callback without going too far into it. Like, any, let's just say DC. I feel like the old DC would have done that and then like they would have stopped down and Zachary Levi would have done a remix of like Hazel sister or some crap on the piano. Mm-hmm. You know, they, they would have tried to redo it, you know, <laughs> like it would have been way too on the nose, but I felt like this was a, was a good callback. Um, yeah. Where, where do we think this is going to cross over if at all with the DCEU? Is this considered DCEU? At first I thought, Okay, they're not they're not trying to cross it over. This is gonna be a standalone. But then the last scene of the movie, the last shot of the film is is Henry Cavill's Superman or without a face walking in. And it wasn't just a generic Superman costume, it was the one that we have known and loved from uh Man of Steel era. So um it's my kind of instinct that we got some of the lightheartedness in Wonder Woman with the Chris Pine character, and I think that could cross over pretty well with this. Black Adam, of course, they can they can uh, make that what they want at this point. But where do we go with Aquaman? Aquaman was a little more lighthearted, but it didn't feel like the action sequences meshed at all with with this. Um, you know, the the ending sequence in this movie is is at a fair, and the ending sequence of Aquaman is like the entire world is is at stake, right? Uh, so it's a it's a different scale and different tone, different everything. Really, it feels like these are from different studios, and uh, it's interesting that they're going to try and make this work as one. So, where do you think they they try to cross this over at any point? Uh, DC EU Shane or Pishjar Shane? Well, I, I think that uh, man, you guys are trying to you guys are really sticking to that, huh? <laughs> <laughs> Um, I, here's my thing. I think if Warner brothers was smart and, and, and remember this made uh, for those of you who don't follow like movie industry news, 
Warner Brothers lost their the CEO um, about two to three weeks ago. Kevin Tsushihara, he was let go. I think that was probably a part of the AT&T merger, but that's neither here nor there. They're, they're under new leadership now. If I was that guy or girl, whoever's leading the studio now, I would want to focus on making these movies for these characters individually and just making them good and maybe throwing these little winks in like they did in Shazam, right? Where it's just, okay, clearly that's Superman, but it's not a big deal because I think that the lesson that hopefully they learned from justice league is that when you rush this and you try to rush them and put them all together, it backfires tremendously. So I think that with, you know, cause you've got, I think we're days away from getting an announcement that Shazam two is greenlit. Aquaman two is definitely greenlit and wonder woman, uh, uh, what's called wonder woman, 1984. That's, you know, in production as we speak. So, and of course you've got Matt Reeves doing his, uh, Batman trilogy potentially. And then apparently, uh, what's his face is writing his own flash movie, which that seems like a terrible idea, but whatever. My point is, I think that uh, the guy who plays flash Ezra, yeah, Yeah. Ezra Miller, that's his name. Man, that's going to be interesting. If I was DC, I would simply focus on making these individual movies with individual characters and throwing these little winks and nods in like like they did in Shazam with the Batarang and Superman or whatever. And then after these movies do a successful, you know, after a period of time when they are successful and you have two Shazam movies that people like or you have two Wonder Woman movies, that's when you start laying the groundwork for, you know, uh, doing another Justice League or whatever, right? So if I was DC and Warner Brothers at the moment, I would just worry about making individual superhero stories and not even throwing the words Justice League around, right? Just put in little winks and nods to other characters and let that be, let that be it for at least for a while, right? Yeah, absolutely. That's, uh, that's what I would do, but nothing they've done. Call me Warner Brothers. Yeah, nothing. Yeah, call me if you want me to rewrite your endings. Um, no, the, the thing is, they've done nothing of what I would do up to this point. So I can't say, here's what I would do. Hopefully they do this because that's not how it's worked out. But you're right, man. Hopefully hopefully new leadership helps. Hopefully Bat- Batfleck being out of the picture helps. Maybe they don't bring Zack Snyder back. Um, and they move in a new direction. And I think, who knows, maybe this Joker movie does super well and Todd Phillips is the new guy. Uh, I don't know. but. I know that this is a step in the right direction and uh, certainly enjoyable, certainly fun, lighthearted entertainment. Uh, a little bit too long for me. I think you could have shaved about 10 minutes off this thing, maybe yeah, so 10 minutes of the kid origin part and get to the Shazam stuff faster. It would have been, would have been uh, my choice. Um, the evil speech part was hilarious. I wrote that down too, where Mark yeah, Strong's yeah, giving him the like end of the world speech and he's like too far away to hear him. I thought that was was a great um, little meta piece of of commentary, and it's just a fun fun time. That's it's kind of my review. And to your point earlier, Shane, I'm, I can't wait to rewatch this. To me, this has way more rewatchability than any of the pre- of the previous movies that we've gotten since uh, since the Dark Knight trilogy ended. Sure, yeah, absolutely. I mean, that's the thing. It's like just because I don't feel like I was the target market for this movie does not mean to Richard's point does not mean that it wasn't a successful and good film. It just means that I I recognize that I'm not the target market for it, but 
you know, to the people who this movie did hit and they were the market for it, I bet they're going to love this. And they should. It was well made. Um, it did all the things that a good movie should do for the most part. And, uh, you know, that deserves to be uh, called out in, in a good way. Absolutely. Any closing thoughts, scenes that stuck out, things you like, dislike before we hit grades? Adam Brody, man, where you been at? He was funny. I did not even... I could barely recognized him. I had not seen He's him. He's a in so great long. little heat jack performer. He always comes in with a, like Mr. And Mrs. Smith. I always think of I, Brian and I have a bit where it's like, if you reran his career a bunch of times, I feel like he's a big, much bigger star. A lot of, yeah, he was times. actually he's, supposed to play the flash in the, the original justice league that the writer strike, uh, Nick's when the writer strike happened and army hammers, Batman, and he was going to be mm-hmm. flash and, Forgot who else that, was attached to that. That script was pretty bonkers. I don't know if you that, that script that. is. I would love to. Though. Yeah, it's out there to to the people mm-hmm. listening who are interested. Um, that script is it leaked a couple years ago. So if you just Google George Miller Justice League script, you'll find it. It's out there, and it would have been interesting to say the least. But uh, but anyway, that's a whole nother story. Awesome. Uh, all right, guys, let's hit grades here. I'm gonna give Shazam. By the way, uh, you guys know about the. Uh, Mandela effect with Shazam and what's his name? Sinbad. How yeah. a lot of people thought that there was a, a genie movie called Shazam in the nineties starring Sinbad. That that's a funny uh, Mandela. Look that one up on YouTube. If you guys let's, let's get everybody on Google searches here, Shane. Um, I'm going to give Shazam. Oh, wait a minute. Hang on. Before we, before we grade this thing okay. out, let's just touch for a half second about who that caterpillar was at the end of the movie. <laughs> Uh, did you guys stick around for the post-credit sequence? No, I did not. No, I, I didn't know they had any. Basically, a caterpillar. Well, there were okay. So there were two post-credit sequences. A caterpillar shows up. Of course, there were with a voice box. Uh, that talks to Silvana in jail. His name is Mister Mind. He creates a group of villains that is like a Captain Marvel or a Shazam, uh, like a Justice League of Doom or whatever for Shazam. Whatever. It's a tease for a sequel. Not a big deal. The the post post credit sequence at the end of the film was it cuts back to earlier in the film where they're testing his superpowers and Zachary Levi is in their bedroom and he's holding up a fishbowl and he's attempting to talk to a um, goldfish and he's like, this is stupid. Who would talk to fish? And it cuts over to Freddie and he's wearing an officially licensed Aquaman T-shirt and he's like, I don't know, it's pretty cool to like command an army of a billion fish and Zachary Levi's like. Eh, it's not that cool. And then it just kind of cuts away. So nice little funny jab. I think at uh, the success and still dorkiness of Aquaman. Awesome. Well, uh, like I said, we'll have to see. We'll have to see. Yeah. I'm sorry. Uh, sorry. I didn't mean to interrupt, but yeah. I just, no, I know if they can do, I mean, if their strategies, let's just do Shazam two, Aquaman two, Wonder Woman two, and just do those and not ever try to cross these over. I'm, I'm good with that too. I think as long as, as long as we're making entertaining movies, I'm, I'm on board. So I'm going to give Shazam. An A minus for what it was trying to do and what it did. I have a little bit of complaints that I mentioned about uh, s- some uh, some cheese uh, kind of spread throughout, but uh, overall very entertained by Shazam and a good step in the right direction for WB slash PJCU. Uh, what about you, Arby? I'm gonna go with oh, man, I'm gonna go with a B, just a solid. Solid B for me. What about you, Shane O'Mac? 
I'm going to go with a solid B as well. I, I, I think the only, like we talked about, it's just, it's, I don't think I'm the target market for this movie. And I just don't know how well I'm going to, or how often I'm going to rewatch it. But all that to say, I still thought it was a technically well-made film and I think it was super enjoyable. So I think to give it anything less than a B would be uh, a shame. Yeah, I agree. And, um, let us know, ma'am, fam, what you guys thought of Shazam tweet us at mad about movies, send us an email. And uh, we will address those when the time comes. Okay, let's hit a quick weekly recommend before we get out of here. Weekly recommend. All right, uh, Richard, what you got for a recommend, sir? You know what? I'm going to beat Brian to this because he's not here. He's at the game. And, uh, I'm just going to recommend Dirk. I'm just recommending Dirk as a human. And I want the Instagram <laughs> to just be a picture of Dirk. And uh, deal with it, Brian. I beat you to it. So have fun at the game, loser. Dirk Shane, Doc. what about you? How about Dirk Doc? Sure, just Dirk Doc's fine. But mostly just Dirk. Just YouTube him. Enjoy the majesty. <laughs> just recommending him as a talking, right? Dirk Diggler. <laughs> yeah, that as well. Um, especially Big, the Bright shining star. He is. Those karate films especially. Um, so uh, my weekly recommend, and do forgive me if this has been recommended before in the past, but I'm about three quarters of the way through the book, and it's really great. It is a book called I Heard You Paint Houses, and it is the biography book about Frank the Irishman Sheeran, who is a mafia hitman uh, That is that is the source material for the uh, Netflix film that Martin Scorsese is directing called The Irishman that's due out in October. Uh, that uh, it stars Pesci and Pacino and De Niro. Um, so it, the book is absolutely fascinating, and I'm sure it includes a lot more than they can fit into the movie. So if you're interested in the Irishman movie, I'd recommend the book that it's based off of. And the book, again, is called uh, I Heard You Paint Houses, but I totally forget who the author's name is. So my apologies to him. If, there, if only there was some way to find out. I know, right? You know what I am. <laughs> <laughs> I heard you paint houses book. Charles Hoffa. Charles That's right. Sorry. Sorry, I didn't. <laughs> uh, yes, Charles Brand is the author. <laughs> Charles. A little Brandt. inside baseball there, guys. We can pull up research uh, as we talk. So. There you go. Yeah. Charles Brandt. Awesome. I'm going to recommend a movie that I just got around to watching again. I saw it in its original release. And uh, hadn't watched it since, and well, one that I had on the list, and I'm excited um, to. I was finally excited to to go back and rewatch it. It's Contagion from Steven Soderbergh. Came out in 2011. This is a really good mystery drama, um, suspense, uh, sci-fi. I don't know what you want to call it, but uh, really, really good cast. Great, I mean. So so many stars in this movie, like everybody shows up in this thing and uh, really well paced, uh, great script and Steven Soderbergh at his best. So if you never saw Contagion, it's uh, basically a disease gets spread and it's killing off a lot of people and they have to try to trace back the disease to the, its original source. And so it's structured that way where they're tracing back people's footsteps on who they met and trying to find the, the origin of this disease. And uh, Kate Winslet really strong in the movie too she is and uh, jude law brian cranston uh among others so contagion if you never saw that check that one out and it's worth your time okay that does it for mad about movies for this week if you want more from us check out that vip we're talking harry potter this week again hellboy and more next week uh thank you batman shane 
I know you don't have social mm-hmm. media other than Facebook. So if you want to find him, find him at Shane Byerly, B-I-E-R-L-E-Y on Facebook. You could follow him and keep in touch with him there. And Absolutely. We'll, have him on, we'll have Shane on again for the next DC movie, which I'm assuming is uh, this fall. Yep. It might be. I think it might be Joker. I think. Joker, yeah. I don't think there's anything else on the docket uh, DC related until then. Okay, cool. So definitely, we'll have you back then, if not sooner. Thank you for joining us, Richard. Where can we find you? You can find me on all the social media at Richard Barden. R I C H A R D B A R D O N. Can't work, and I find you. Find me on the Twitter, the Instagram, and the Snap at Kent Garrison. And um, subscribe on iTunes. If you like what you hear, leave us five stars. And uh, again, reach out and join the conversation on social media at Mad About Movies. Until next week, we'll see you at the cinema. Shazam. 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 Hey, baby, I hear the blues are calling. Tossed salads and scrambled eggs. And maybe I seem a bit confused. Yeah, maybe. But I got you pegged. But I don't know what to do with those tossed salads and scrambled eggs. They're calling again. Scrambled eggs all over my face. They're making me ya ya. Tossed salads and scrambled eggs. They're calling again.